We've all been in situations we weren't confident in doing that. You know, somebody might say, let's go skydiving. You might say, I'm not confident in that. You know, or you might want to play football and you're not confident in that. Well, let's play basketball. I'm confident in that. Or a certain job, an occupation. You, we have these areas in life that what I've thought about mostly is just thinking about people. Has anybody ever met somebody that's cocky and arrogant? Anybody know somebody that's cocky and arrogant? And there's a oozing coming out of them of almost like obnoxiousness because they're so cocky about what they do. And by no means do I want to disrespect the man as one of the best boxers in the world. But there was a confidence about Muhammad Ali. He said, I'm the greatest in the world. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the greatest of all time. I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now, he had confidence. But we come to people sometimes and we understand that we will hide who we really are behind our clothes, behind our possessions, behind everything that we do. Most people on social media, you might see them a certain way, but that might not be really who their confidence is. But they put up a pretty front and a picture. Amen. So what I want to talk about is that confidence today. And that confidence or that power, when you give doubt to your power, which that power is God, when you give power to your doubt, huh, I'm telling you, there is, there's a sense of it. We all know those areas in our lives that we, we, we deal with it. Now, I'm going to come from first the root word. You're an exodus, but I want to come from the root word, which is confide. When you're talking about confidence, you got to talk about confide. Confide simply means to tell someone about a secret or a private matter while trusting them that they will not repeat it to others. Mm, does anybody ever know what I'm talking about? You ever shared something with somebody and you asked them not to share it, next thing you know it's out there? I mean, seriously now, I mean, that's the ultimate, is having that person that you can confide into and it's important for us in our lives. The Bible says share your thoughts with one another that you may be healed. So there's a power in that. We can't go around holding our issues on our own. We're not capable of that. So we have to turn them over to God and also we turn them over to somebody that we trust and which we do, it really means, the other word means to reveal or disclose. So when you're opening up and confiding, you're revealing something, sometimes very private, that you don't want anybody to know. The other word in confiding is safekeeping. If I put it over there in your hands and I pull you to the side and I tell you, I, say, I don't want you to say nothing now. I, I'm going to trust you not to say nothing to nobody. You know, but man, I tell you, it burns us when you know something, man, and you get around somebody that knows so-and-so, and they don't confide in you, and you say, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you if you don't tell nobody. I'll tell you as long as you don't tell nobody. Well, that same itching goes on with that person when they say, look, I know something, I'm going to tell you, but you can't tell nobody. You know what happens? Everybody knows before you know it. Because there's something about having a secret, and you want to tell it. You know what I'm talking about? So understand that. Now, you have to understand something. <laughs> Do you have somebody you can confide in to? Can you sit here and say that you could pour out your heart the ugliest thing in your life? Could you share it and be confident that that person will hold that, that person will help you in that time, that person will just keep that? Uh, you have anybody. That's not to answer back. But now I want to ask you a question. Do you know who human beings confide in to the most? ourselves we're constantly confiding information to ourselves that we don't tell other people 
You might say out loud, I'm going to do this and do that. I can do that. And deep down, you're confiding with yourself, why did I say that? I can't do that. I can't do that. Come on, church. Our worst enemy sometimes is our confidence in us what we're thinking and what we're saying. So this morning, I want to talk about that confidence and having that confidence in God. And there's a strength there that we have to bypass. There's that thing like, oh, was it Sandy Hook or whatever the school when the man was shooting up the school and he aimed it at the girl and said, deny Jesus Christ. She said, no. Pow! She died at that moment. Why? She was confident in herself that she could not deny her Lord and Savior. Where are you in that moment when a gun's pointed your head? Are you going to save yourself? <laughs> so there's that confidence that we got to have in God. We're coming into some hard times, church. We're getting to the last days of the last days. It ain't time to hide behind your possessions. Hide in your Facebook. It ain't time to hide who you really are in God. That people must know what you stand for. The world today, it's hard to tell. If you took 100 people at a football game, you wouldn't know which one was a believer and which one wasn't because they don't stand out. Now, all through scriptures, we find people like David. Oh, man, he had a confidence in God. He didn't stand up there and said, Goliath, I'm going to knock your head off because I am bad to the bone and I got this. He stood up there and said, I am coming in the name of the Lord. I am standing here because you have already made me mad that you have disrespected my God. I'm here not because of me. I'm here because of my God is bigger than you. Amen. He had a confidence about himself. Elijah had a confidence about himself that he could say anything and things would come to pass. Moses we know of, which we're getting ready to go into. There were mighty women of God like Esther. There was the Shudamite woman. There was Deborah. There was Ruth. There was Hannah and Abigail, people that had a confidence in God. And it showed, and the reason why they're in Scripture is because they showed that confidence of God in their lives. You're also writing your chapter today while you're here. Up to this point in your life, you've got books and chapters that are in your book. I don't know what chapter you're on in your life, but it don't matter. Is your chapter going to say, chapter 3, I had my trust in God? Is your chapter going to say in 5, oh man, I had a hard time, things are rough, but I, I had my confidence in God. I mean, we are all writing our stories this morning and it's powerful to know but I tell you what, I love this story more than anything. You all know the story, but we're going there in, in Exodus, and we're going to show some areas here that Moses had some self-confidence issues. Moses had some issues of self-doubt. Moses had some key areas that really caused him some major uh, dysfunction. And I don't know, but I see this in me. I see it in you. I see it in all of us. There is nothing that Moses didn't go through that we don't go through. Amen? The Word of God is almost a, a mirror image of who we are and how we relate to God. So as we go into the Word today, I want us to see that. Let's lead up to the point of Moses in chapter 3, I think it is. Did I tell you chapter 3? <clears throat> so here we go. I'm going to set it up, and then we're going to dive in the Word. We're going to see where the areas are and that we could work on our own lives. Now Moses is tending to the flock, and he came to the west side of Mount Oreb. And on that side, he ended up getting up to the mountain. It's funny, y'all were singing that up, up on the mountain with hands high because I could just picture Moses, you know, saying, oh, my God, what is that on the mountain? I'm going to go up there and check that out. <laughs> Sometimes we don't go check stuff out that is of God. But he did. 
So an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and you all know it. There was a blazing bush, and it was a fire, and then he noticed that the fire was not consuming the bush. So the Bible says ever how he was looking at it, it basically said that he kind of turned to the side to get a better look. So as he's wondering about that, when he turned aside to get that look, he heard this voice, Moses, Moses. I don't know God's calling, but he didn't just call him Moses. I don't know about you. When you were little and your parents called you, Mitchell, Mitchell. Huh? Y'all know when it's a second name coming, you're like, oh, Lord. So Moses identifies him, recognizes him, and calls him twice. First, I'm going to say this. Moses had an issue of self-confident problems. So, so he wanted to make sure so he wouldn't ask after saying Moses the first time. God knew he would say, who, me? No, God said, Moses, Moses. Okay, he's talking to me. So God nipped that thing right off the bat. He came in there and just drilled that thing. He said it twice. And Moses says, here I am. Come on, here I am. Let's just face it. Now, Moses is in the beginning stages. Remember, we're talking about confiding. In confiding, here we have a situation where God is on this mountain. Moses approaches that mountain. He sees something extraordinary. He goes to it. He don't know what's going on. Then he's coming in contact with the Lord God Almighty, and he calls him by name. And Moses goes, okay, here I am. And God immediately said, before I can confide in you any longer, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Some of y'all that make people take your shoes off in your house, you know what I'm talking about. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. So God is already in conversation when Moses calls him by name, and then he tells him to take his sandals off. Okay, so we're at that place, and it is holy ground. Now, I like this because at this point, we're dealing with Moses' first struggle. So if you, I'm going to read out of the children's Bible. Let's go to Exodus 3. Let's see which one this is. She gave me the smallest print, dear God. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. Uh, Moses, Moses, here I am, here I am. Okay, now I want you to think about this because we've all had this confrontation with God. I call this the moment of Moses' salvation. God calls him and he answers. And it's as simple as that in salvation. When God calls us, we just say, yes, Lord, here I am. Take me like I am. The Bible says, just come as you are. And Moses is standing right there. And then God says, okay, now that we're in relationship, I want you to take your shoes off. Okay, so he does that. And... Um, he said, then said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now we got it where he's confiding in Joseph, I mean, uh, Moses. He's laying it out. He's, told, he's telling him now who he is. Someone say, I, I want to know who God is. So it starts in that manner. And this, Moses, hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
I don't know about you. I don't care how holy you are today. I don't care how sanctified, righteous, or whatever. But if God called you by name, told you to take your shoes off, and all of a sudden he spoke those three powerful names of who he was, I think I'd have to hit the ground too. Okay? So now we're dealing with the first part of confrontation, not confrontation, but confiding. God also now tells him, The Lord said, I am indeed, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of the land into the good spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pizzanites, Hevonites, Jebonites, and now the cry of Israel has reached me. See, there's a place. The Israelites was in a bad place of bondage for many years. But now, for some reason, that crying out to God. See, we may not get that thing the first year. We may not get it the second year. We may not get it tomorrow or the next day. But they keep crying. Just keep crying. Because the cry had come before me, he said, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are pressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Here's where we start now. You've already had a conversation. You've already saved, got right with God. You're coming to a relationship. He tells you who I am. I'm your boss now. I'm the king and the Lord. I am the same God that all your forefathers served, the God of Jacob, the Isaac. All that. I'm telling you who I am right now. Now, now that you know who I am, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go set the Israelites free. Insecurity number one comes when Moses has a problem with identity. Someone say, man, we all got a little problem with identity. See, if you let the world or the book or social media or if you let your friends tell you who you are and you don't know who you are, hmm. So in 3.11, this is where we start. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites up out of Egypt? Who am I? Look at that now. He's already confronted with his identity. Who am I? Who am I to go do that thing? Who am I to run for city council? Who am I to be able to speak? And who am I to go before and preach at that church? Who am I? That's worthy to do those things. Who am I to get that promotion? Who am I to be able to drive a car like that? Who am I to be able to get a job that's better than what I got? See, Moses just told God he was a nobody. He just told him he was a nobody. So think about it. He's carrying this on. So he now has to understand something. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Before we judge him and him saying, Oh, who am I? I can't do this. He lived in Egypt. He was raised in the palace of Egypt. He watched the slaves build homes and palaces for him. He knew the army of Egypt. He knew the power of Pharaoh. He... See, don't, so let's don't judge him right off the hand now. He was just given a task that looked way too big for him. But he knew Egypt. Okay. He knew the power of the army. He knew Pharaoh. He knew all that. So right now we got to understand that he's now saying, who am I to take on this task? I can't blame him right now for thinking that way. 
Okay? So I can't really blame him for what he's about to, to do and say there. It makes sense to, I think, all of us. And God said in verse 12, and I will be with you. I like this. You don't think you could do this? God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain we're standing on. So he don't see that he can do it. So what does God say? I'm going to be with you, son. I'm going to be with you. And not only that, when you bring them out, we all going to worship right here on my mountain. So number one, he gives them an instruction to do. God gives us instructions. Do we do them or do we don't? And he asks us to do something. And number two, usually he'll give you the promise. <laughs> he said, you're going to bring them out and I'm going to give you the promise. The promise is you're going to worship God on this mountain with all of them right here. Woo! I mean, that's powerful. I mean, and when it comes up like that, that's good. So he promises them that. Think about that. What is his confidence like now? <laughs> well, okay, now we got another problem. That problem is Moses and his authority. See, Moses now is thinking, okay, I hear you, Lord, but how, what kind of third, are you going to give me a badge and you're going to give me a gun? You're going to give me, what you going to give me before I go over there to tell them people that I am the man, I'm the sheriff coming to town? I'm, what you going to give me, Lord? Think about it. So he gets to this place. And he, you know, you know he's anxious and he's concerned about what's going on. And so, <laughs> I like this. He says, suppose the Israelites say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? I like that. Now, he's just met God. God just told him who he was. However, just like if I call you a nickname, the God of the Father of Jacob, Isaac, I mean, that's great. That's a great name. I like that. But what is your name? He said, Lord, if I go over there and tell them, they're going to want to know who is it that sent me. And so Moses had a legit, does he have a legitimate question? Okay, a legitimate question. So he asked, and what name? And then what should I tell him? <laughs> mm. I like this. When you go to do something, you better have the authority. Before you preach up here, you need the authority from the pastor to preach. Before you go out and do something, you know, in your job, and you want to do something for your employer, you got to have permission from your employer, right? I mean, everything has a sense of authority to it, no matter what you go and no matter where, where you do or what you do. So God said to Moses... <laughs> I am who I am. I don't know about you. That's still pretty vague to me. Yeah. Huh? Come on now. Let's just don't mess up Moses and his little concern and his, his confidence level ain't quite where it is because I, now I, I just don't know about this answer, is this answer either. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. You just go and say, I am sent me. I'm sure I can feel that warm and fuzzy confidence just building up in Moses. Right? <clears throat> so now, 
in the answer to the concern, God reaffirms. Now, he reaffirms, go to 314. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. 14. Go also, said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers. I want you to watch this now. Go to the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generations to generations. He says, go and tell them I am. Now he says, and he shows the heritage. Everybody in that generation knows this heritage. So this is a heritage he had to throw out to get them to listen and to understand. So this is the part that we have to understand about this is that, hey, I can't blame him. I can't blame him a bit for trying to figure out in what authority am I going? How am I going to do this? Many times we in our own selves battle over the authority that we have to maybe witness to somebody in the store. Maybe you've seen somebody with a wheelchair in the grocery store. You thought, oh, man, I need to pray for them. Then you battle and confide in your own self. Well, no, it's all right. You know, they might not receive it or they might tell me. And that kind of, just that battle of identity, who we are and what we're doing. What you got to lose? If they don't get up out that chair, that ain't your problem. That's God's business. All you got to do is just pray. But that confidence on the inside, ma'am, may I pray for you? Most time people will say yes. Just go ahead and bust out a good one, praise God. Huh? Just go ahead and demand everything. Just tell them to stand and walk, praise God. Because you have nothing, nothing to lose. Amen. She's in a wheelchair, right? So if she don't get out of the wheelchair, nothing's lost. Same thing. But if you go with the power and the unction, oh, Lord, you may not see her get out of that wheelchair. You may not see her get out of that wheelchair. But she might get home, and they start wheeling her out of the van. And next thing you know, she takes a step, and she's up and gone. had a man that had the Johnny Calls him Memorial Fish Fry the other day in front of everything under the sun, and a guy came up to me, me and says, hey, you remember me? He said, years ago, I came into your office with severe back pain. You laid hands on me, and you healed me. I said, brother, I didn't heal you. I said, God healed you, but I, I was obedient to pray for you. And he told me the story, and he said what he did, was he came in like this, and so I laid hands on him and prayed for him, and he actually walked out the door like this. And then I had to leave, so I came out here and went and did some stuff and left. But he said when he got in his car, he got in the seat, he, he heard something pop. And he got back and he did like that. And he said it was gone, just gone. Because one thing I told him, I said, now that you leave here, you keep saying I am healed. You, and no matter what you feel, what you see, just keep saying you're healed. And he, he boy, he come running up to me. I was like, it's exciting. It feels good. And it's, hum it's humbling. But don't, I, I didn't do that. I just prayed for you. It's what the Bible says, lay hands on you. But, boy, glory to God, God did it. But he had a tear in his eye. I said, but thank you. You know. So what I'm saying is you're going to probably have a bunch of those in heaven that you never saw because the Bible says signs and wonders will follow you. It does not say that you'll see it right in front of you. You can pray right here and walk off, but while you walk and ain't paying no attention to it, pop, pop. Or you get to heaven and say, you remember you prayed for me? I said, yeah, I prayed for you. I, what happened? Well, praise God. This is what happened. Signs and wonders will follow us. So don't get all bent out of shape of what you see in front or even what you see in the natural. 
You just do the supernatural. You do what God says do by confidently saying, in the name of Jesus, I lay my hands on you. Father, the word says that I could lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You walk off from there, you don't care what it looks like. Why? Because you did your job. Your job ain't to heal nobody. Your job is just to do what the Bible says. <laughs> Where was I at? 15? 15. 16. 16. Praise God. Let me just read 14. 15. And God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, I read that, thank you, God of Isaac, Jacob, has sent you, this is my name forever, and then 16, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord thy God, your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen where it has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you out of the misery of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. What, 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 what just God just do? He told him to go tell who? See, he knew he couldn't trust just every common man that was all beat up and down and out. He had to go tell the elders because the elders were old enough to... To remember. <laughs> See, they were old enough to remember. He said, so you go to them and tell them exactly what I say, and I'll anoint those words, and when you get there and say it, I'll anoint it. Go to the elders. Don't just go to the common right now. They're not ready to hear what I got to say. Take it to the elders. So he's already given Moses a... Some confidence here. Amen. He's trying to build his confidence. Can anybody say confidence? Confidence. Now, the next one is Moses and his faith. Moses and his faith is being challenged now. Okay? So in verse 1, 4, 1, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to me? Now, this is a good question. What if this happens? What if they say that? So Moses showing this self-doubt again. He's in doubt. God showed him what to do. He gave Moses the signs and the miracles to perform, the acts that would, God would need. Because in that di dialogue, there was a place in there where God says, okay, if you don't believe me, Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, throw that thing down. He threw it down, turned into a snake. The Bible says Moses ran. That's exactly what I would do. So Moses and I are on the same page. Every snake, green, white, blue, black, bam, bam, bam. But he ran, and God called him back. He says, no, pick him up by the tail. So Moses picked the snake up by the tail and turned back into a staff. Then he told him to stick his hand in the cloak. And then he, but he showed him three miracles. God showed him three miracles. And he's trying to build his faith up. Let me show you, okay? If that's all you got is a staff, that's it. What you're going to use? That's going to be your power right there. Okay? So, so here we go. Woo! Mm. 
The next one is Moses had trouble having confidence in his communication. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had to get up and speak for somebody for the first time or audience and you don't know who they are, I'll never forget one of the first times. I probably told this story when I was in a conference with about a 1,000 pastors. And uh, I was sitting on the front row, and I knew the pastor that was preaching. And all of a sudden, the anointing was all over. Man, he was just, he was falling over. And he reached over, and he goes, tag, you it. I knew exactly what that meant. I knew exactly what that meant because on the way there, he was riding in my car. We were on our way to Greenville. And I'll never forget, he said, man, I preached three straight days. I am tired. Be ready. <laughs> Woo! But I didn't think it was coming. Man was anointed. Praise God. I didn't know that was going to happen. But lo and behold, he went, tag you in. And he fell over. Bam! I'm like, Lord have mercy. So I just jumped up like it was nothing. Yeah, praise God. And I said, now he was going there, but I'm going here. I remember I couldn't go where he was going. So I took off, and I'll never forget, just to, just to be able to take it real quick and to be confident enough to know I'm on. We're going to do this. And I mean, people came up to the altar. Man, I had a revelation about something in the spirit about uh, uh, allergies or something. And I mean, woo, people were strung out from one end to the other, just one place to another after it was over with. I don't hardly remember it because it was a fog. You know, I was in a fog, just, you know, flowing in the anointing. It was just fun. I don't remember what all happened. Oh, I do remember one. One woman fell. Praise God, busted that head. Bam! And I remember wanting to stop. I was in the natural then. I seen her hit her head straight on her back on a concrete floor. I just, hey, Father God, in the name of Jesus. In the name. And the ushers took care of it. And at the end of the service, when it was all over, would that lady come up and say, I said, how's your head? What head? <laughs> See, you go playing around and fall out in the spirit, and it ain't in the spirit, you're going to get hurt. But if it's God, he knocks you out in the spirit, you ain't going to get hurt. That's right. I, I always tell people that in a meeting. Don't fall if, you ain't, if God ain't making you fall. People do it because, you know, they fall out in front. And they just like, I did that to Gloria Copeland one time. She was preaching. I'll never forget it. She was playing. And they were falling out down there. And I was like, not me, praise God. She better be bad to the bone to get some. Not me, uh-uh. And, I mean, I kept watching them fall. Blam, 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 blam. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I woke up on the floor. Uh-huh. Woke up on the floor asking myself what happened. But I was predetermined in the natural. I'm not going down. That's just the way I am. But God, if it's you, it better be you because I ain't falling now. Huh? Because then, see, if you do that in a service and you fall out and it ain't really God, see, you've been led a trip on somebody else in the service. You've, you've, you've caused some, some stuff in there to make people. Why do they get touched from God and I don't? Well, they didn't. They just wanted to fall out. <laughs> am I lying? You know it. You've seen it in services. You know, but Lord have mercy. I remember talking to a great man of God. He said he'd only been knocked out three times in his life. He was 84 years old. He had only been slain in the spirit three times in his entire life, served God since he was 12 years old. You tell me. How did I get to this part? Oh, communication. Now, 
4.10. Now Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor in the sense that you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. <laughs> this one I like. Up to this point, Moses' confidence is not even close to be on board yet. God's already told him who he was. Done told him he'd be with him. Done told him what he was going to do. And he told him what was going to happen when he did it. But then Moses. And we all get like this. Come on, let's don't knock him. You know, I don't, I don't really speak very well. You know, I got a real southern accent. And I don't know if anybody will understand what I'm saying. Many says if you'll just slow down a little bit, they'll understand. Because <laughs> sometimes I get to talking real fast. I don't even know what I'm saying. So. Obviously, my mouth can go way faster than my brain. So, okay. And then God told him, the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight and makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. You can tell God's getting a little frustrated by now. I'm going to help you here too. Remember now, watch this. Every area of, of, of what Moses is talking about and God is all about him not being able to. Everything is about his confidence. Everything God said, he just could not do. So God promised him that that's, this is what would happen. So now, we as believers sometimes do this. Come on, we all the time do this. Let's just face it. One of our biggest problems is not the confidence in us or the confidence in what we can do, but the confidence to know that God Almighty is with me every single day. The confidence to know wherever I go and whatever I do, I'm going to ask God first. No matter if you're proficient and excellent in your job, do you ask God, and do I do it this way? Because I and my own without Christ Jesus am nothing. That's what the Bible says. Without Christ, we are nothing. Mm -hmm. So we must get to that place of confidence where we listen. So that moves us to another area of where <laughs> he's moving to a whole different rim now. This is called Moses and obedience. Moses' self-debt led him to be unwilling to carry out the Lord's commands. In 4.13, <laughs> I love this one. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. We've done had confiding dialogue. I understand. I hear what you're saying. But, Lord, even no matter what you said here, I'm I just not feeling that. I'm not, I'm not confident about this at all. Could you just get somebody else? We do it every day of our lives where we just pass by an opportunity and say maybe someone else will do it. And yet... God is saying to him. So despite that promise, he just said, and he said, look, I don't know if I could do this or not. The Bible says that the anger of the Lord rose up in verse 414. The anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. And his heart will be glad when he sees you. God already knew he's going to have to have somebody go with him other than him. 
God already knew Aaron was coming. Aaron was just as hungry as Moses. Where is Moses at? He's up on a mountain where the fire of God is there. What? He said, Aaron is on the way. Aaron probably got back out in the field and said, where's Moses? Aaron probably said, I don't know. There's a fire up there on the mountain. He went up there to check it out. Without me? Aaron is already on the way. So he knew that he had somebody in the flesh to lean upon. So he, he took this. <laughs> you know, it's funny how he said, I will get Moses, I mean, I'll get Aaron to speak for you. It's funny how he just literally had a whole different idea when he got somebody he could confide in in the flesh and God, he could go do this. I hate to say it, but many times we put way too much trust in the flesh. No matter how many times we get hurt in our lives, no matter how many times we confide with somebody, no matter how many times we love somebody and that love goes wrong, no matter how many times we get betrayed, we still want flesh to help us. Our flesh, other people's flesh, your love and your relationship with someone else is contingent on your happiness. And, and, and That's one thing I like about the war room. When the, when the wife said to the husband sitting on the bed, he repented for all his sins. And she said, you can't make me happy. She said, I'm sorry, but my first love is Jesus. I love you, baby. I'm married to you. But you can't do that for me like Jesus can. Yet we find here that in all of these situations, each and every one, Moses had an identity problem. Moses had an authority problem. He had a faith problem. He had a communication problem. And then he had an obedience problem. But lo and behold, we know what? The rest of the story. That he finally took off and went and did what God said. But isn't it funny that when we watch movies and TV, we don't see all the lack of confidence that Moses had and all the questions he had about himself and how I couldn't talk, I can't do this, I don't know how to, I don't know, what do I tell him I am? Who am I? Who are you? Oh, God, how do I do this? You know how we find out all those things? In the Word. If you don't know in here, what you want to do out there, you can't do in private. You can't do in public what you ain't doing in private. Now, to Moses' demise, as you read on, he had to encourage him one more time. I'll paraphrase it. God says, well, what about those people that are there in Egypt? Remember, he left Egypt because he killed a soldier. God told him in one of those verses, he said, oh, by the way, every one of those that were seeking to kill you, they're all dead now. They're all dead now. Well, glory to God, off I go. But you see what I'm saying? God knew what to tell us. He knows what to tell us when we're fearful. He knows what to tell us when we don't have confidence. He knows how to get us to move in a direction. But we got to listen. We've got to overcome our identity problems. We can't put ourselves in self-trust and self-confidence. It'll never, ever, ever be like it is. 
I'll never forget Holyfield. When Holyfield knocked out, what's his name? And he said before the fight, my Lord is with me. I love that. Boy, he was bold. Even though he got his ear chewed off, praise God, he still whipped him. Why? Because he knew it wasn't him alone. He wasn't just fighting in that ring for him and Holyfield's name. He said the Lord Jesus Christ. Why can't we be like that in every place of our lives? When we go to the grocery store, when we cut food with the cashier, when we go to everywhere we go, that everywhere we meet somebody, they know where we stand and that we're confident in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not arrogant, not cocky, but confident because we know what our identity is. We know that we have the authority in Christ Jesus to be who we are. We know we have the faith. Now, the substance of faith... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are waiting to see too much stuff. We just need to know that it's there. We just got to put a faith and believe in God. Stand to your feet this morning. Father, we thank you this morning and we praise you that you've opened up and unlocked the Pentecost, the books of the Bible, the Old Testament. You've opened up Moses to us. You've exposed to us this morning, Lord, those areas that we're not confident in you in. Lord, our very identity should be in you. Our very authority should be that we are in Christ Jesus. Our faith is that we believe. It's a crazy concept, but we believe a God that we can't see. We communicate with God. Not because we're worthy, because he said he gave us authority to be able to talk to him and he talks to us. He just asks us to be obedient in everything we do. I pray, God, that each one of you today will take this word and you will get that confidence of the Lord, not the confidence of this world. Be not conformed of this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Lord, I rebuke the world off of us. I ask, oh God, you just strip us from worldly things that interfere with our lives to minister to people, to bring people out of bondage, to bring those things to pass that you want in our lives. Lord, we're an analogy in the Old Testament. We're the ones that go out and set the captives free in our community. We're the ones to go in that authority, go in that identity, go in that faith. The same thing Moses was called to do, we're called to do. Now, Lord, let us empower us today. Give us that confidence and faith that we can do this, and we ain't going to do it alone. You will be with us. In all five of these, you said you will be with him. You will be with us. Father, I just pray right now that if anybody is touched by this message in such a way that you, you want it to stay in your heart and to move and to do it. If that's where you've been tugged in the area of your faith that maybe you haven't stepped out enough, but you know God's calling us to do something special or to you to do something special. And I want you just to tell him right now, just in your own private way, just, just tell him, you know, because Moses had to introduce himself to God. God had to introduce himself to us. Moses even couldn't see God except through a fire. We don't see Jesus, God, nor the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says Jesus lives in us and we live in him. Uh-huh. Thank you, Lord.